0: Thanks for joining us for episode 15 of the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film. I'm your host, Susie Botello. Three, two, Today we will take you to New York to meet Rafael Corkhill. Raphael is one of the leading actors in Time to Pay Off Debt," written and directed by Conrad Mess. Conrad Mess is a global famed iPhone filmmaker. So I want to share something with you regarding the 2018 International Mobile Film Festival, which is due to take place in San Diego April 28th and 29th. So we just announced that beginning this summer, we're going to be accepting films in a new category, cosplay. That's right. This new category is for cosplay films shot with smartphones, and they can be just about any genre, just as like. I don't know, documentaries, music, action films, comedies, whatever. You can find out more during our film festival, but if you can't make it to the film festival, you'll find out more about it uh, on our website later this summer. Okay, if you're one of the filmmakers who submitted a film to our film festival, then guess what? We're just about ready to publish the names of all of you on our website. And so everybody who made it to this year's film festival and whose films are going to be screened during the film festival, are going to get their names published on our website. If you are one of them, you'll be one of the star filmmakers during our film festival. And if you're attending, you are going to rock your stardom on the red carpet. You're going to network with others in the film festival, participate in the Q&A, and you're going to receive the star treatment, which we are pretty well known for. We are happy that we have one of our returning sponsors this year, Red Giant software. They have an excellent reputation with professional indie filmmakers. So go to their website and check out their candy, I mean uh, software, that can turn your film into eye candy. uh, www.redgiant.com So are you all ready for our interview? Oh, okay, wait, uh, one more thing. Our Patreon page is up and it's looking for more rock stars to join us. Patreon is for creators, and obviously we're creators. So our creations include this podcast, which takes work to provide you with every single week. Uh, But we're adamant about this because we know that mobile film needs a voice, and this is a great platform for it. But we also create and continue to create, since early 2009, our platform in San Diego to celebrate mobile film with the official International Mobile Film Festival. You can find out about our film festival and other programs that we created and continue to work on for people of all ages all over the world to rock the film world making films using mobile phones. You can go to www.internationalmobilefilmfestival.com and get all the info. After this episode, go to our Patreon page so that you can become a patron and you can receive the benefits as a show of gratitude. And they're not only, uh, you know, discounts and freebies. They also include bonus podcasts, including our guests. Our guest, Rafael Corkill, will share details about how actors are taking part, literally, in the gaming industry. And you will find out, which popular games you can find him acting in you'll find a link on our show notes but you can go to www.patreon.com slash sbp podcast hey speaking of raphael let's go everybody, I'm here with Raphael Corkhill in New York, New York. How are you doing, Raphael?
1: Doing very well, Susie, very well. A little chilly out here, but uh, I'm getting some nice Southern California vibes from you, so uh, all good. will oh,
0: good. Well, we have chilly here, uh, but we add cheese.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. Yes, no, here we have snow.
0: Yes. Oh, Well, we actually do get excited about snow here, too, you know. Uh,
1: but You know, I, I was in L.A. for about six years, and I don't think I saw... Did I see snow once? No, I don't think I saw snow once. Hmm. I think it was uh yeah, I think you know the coldest it got was kind of putting on a light jacket. Um <laughs> but uh here 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 it's serious. Here you have to kind of wrap up.
0: But you are from uh England. I think you can handle the cool. I mean, we put on a jacket when it's 69 or something here.
1: <laughs> yeah, as soon as there's a cloud that goes across the sun my gosh it's you have like, got up <laughs> um, yeah no I mean London yeah London is famous for its rain um, mm. but I mean it also makes everything really green and kind of very vibrant and luscious as well um, but yeah you're right now I grew up in London um, but I'm half Welsh as well so we spent a lot of time in Wales um, in South Wales with my, uh, with my grandparents which is where they lived and I went to school in Wales for a little bit as well um, but then, yeah, moved out to the US when I was nineteen to come to college um, and then stayed on here for my master's, my MFA in acting at USC University of Southern California. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's basically I spent uh, spent my good good amount of time as a, as a Trojan um, and then <laughs> stayed on in LA for another three years before moving out back to New York, um, okay, where I've yeah. been for the past four four or so years, and I love it here. Wow,
0: well great. Um, I think let's share with our listeners the reason why, um, or let me share a little bit about that, uh, why we're interviewing you or why we're even having a discussion with you, just sharing these stories. Uh, and the reason is because uh, Raphael is an actor, and uh, we met through a film that Conrad Mess, who is one of the most uh, famed actors in the mobile, in the iPhone filmmaking, actually, industry, and Absolutely. Conrad Mess. Yeah, Conrad Mess uh was definitely one of the pioneers. He started out with the film uh The Fixer uh with an iPhone 4 when the when it first came out. Um I could I could tell his story with my eyes closed. Um but I'm not <laughs> going to do that because it's about you, but I do want to uh relate the connection to our listeners. And um, and so Conrad Mess is meticulous with his filmmaking. He, his mm. um, his films are the kinds of films that you go to the theater to see because he treats them. He do, it's not just about shooting them; it's a, a lot of work that he does with them in post production.
1: Mm. Oh, very much so. I mean, yeah. even you. Know, I mean, you know, number one is just the story is always so well written. Um, you know, because, you know, you could have you could spend hundreds of thousands, millions on a movie, um, have the best special effects, you know, the best lighting, the best cinematography, whatever, best music. But unless there's a good story there, um, it's just not going to work. So that's really what drew me to this movie was I mean, I was intrigued by the fact that it was shot on an iPhone. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'd never really kind of encountered that um, until encountering uh, Conrad's work. Um, but then, looking at all his previous work, yeah, he did the fix. He's done a few other really extraordinary the um, other side, films,
0: which was all shot on green screen.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was that was amazing, and that one that got so much buzz yeah. um, that it was very clear, you know, this is the world's most famous and foremost uh, iPhone filmmaker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he uh, cast a bunch of New York actors, um, and then came out here and got a great crew together. Um, and yeah, we shot the thing, I think over three or four days at this bar on location at this kind of speakeasy, um, in, in Manhattan. Um, that was one of the original two
0: speakeasy. And it was a famed location, right?
1: Very much so. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty cool. It's now an amazing place to take people because it's hidden away behind the, the facade is this toy shop, um, oh. that doesn't, isn't actually a toy shop anymore, but you have to go down an alley and then up some stairs and. Then they've kept so in you know, during prohibition in America when Booze was banned, um, there were two I'm sure there were many, many speakeasies all over New York, but there are only two that are kind of still, you know, bars. Um and this was one of them.
0: And why did they call him speakeasy?
1: Why did they call I don't know, presumably you were able to just speak freely there or may I don't know. Do you know why?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I I suppose I thought for some reason maybe you knew because I've heard that term so many times before, yeah, um, in movies and things like that.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel maybe my impression is that it was just because once you got there, you come, you could, you know, everyone was there and knew everyone was in on the secret, and maybe they could just, uh, you know, chat away and you know be breaking the law in kind of a pleasant way.
0: That's right, huh? Although I don't know. Somebody took me in a back alley and said, "Let's go have a drink." It took me to the back alley and up, you'd down think and twice.: stairs. Yeah, I'd be like, or am I getting get knocked out here?"
1: <laughs> I know, I know well, they still kind of keep it um, I don't know if it's authentic or what, but they still serve the because it's, it's like craft cocktails or whatever these um, you know these really nice cocktails that they serve in um, teacups, oh. um, little porcelain white teacups, and then I think the beer they serve in the cans. And they give it to you in a brown paper bag, um, so it's this really kind of you know very cool, very trendy New York crowd, you know, drinking cocktails out of teacups and beer out of brown bags. It's just, like, funny.
0: just like downtown LA, right?
1: <laughs> I guess parts of downtown LA can, can definitely be like that.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Well, we actually in our film festival in uh, 2016, uh, which was the year before the last one that we had. We screened uh, the the film, and we awarded uh, Conrad Mess the best iPhone filmmaker uh, in the world, basically. Wow, wow. And we presented that award to him there, but he couldn't make it, uh, you know, out to San Diego at that time. Mm. But we still presented that award, and I remember, you know, him uh, warning me that when we were screening the film... That it was the well, first of all, it was the first U.S., uh, the film, you know, the first screening in the U.S., mm. and um, I think it was screening somewhere else the next day. And so he said, you know, don't even let anyone snap a, a photo of it. Oh, wow, you know, so I had to tell everybody, everybody. You know we never tell people that in our film festival, you know, for sure. mobile phones, turn off your phones, please. Turn off your phones. And <laughs> we just don't do that, right? We were on the contrary. Turn it on. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but uh we had to tell everybody turn off your phones and all this stuff and we got yeah. to see your your film on the big screen and uh and your acting which is Amazing. superior uh, oh. as, as it was I mean, obviously everybody's acting was, was wonderful, but you were one of the top, um, uh, characters, one of the main characters.
1: I mean, I tell you one of the great things about the script was that, um, you know, it was really like what they call like an ensemble piece. You know, it wasn't just one or two leads and everyone else is kind of supporting everyone. I mean, what the premise of time to pay off debts, um, was that everyone is there and they've got some kind of debt, Um, that they have to pay, you know, some kind of spiritual debt, some kind of, you know, karmic debt for something they've done wrong in the past. Um, And so each character is bringing some kind of um, backstory, um, and they all kind of interweave, and that's really what the film is about. that we can't really escape our pasts as much as we might try or as fast as we might try to run. Um, You know, we always have to face up to facts at some point and pay off our debts um and so that was one of the really cool things about it was that each character was was really fleshed out in full and all the actors as well you know really brought some really wonderful work um so i remember being really impressed when we were shooting the fact that everyone you know was fully prepared brought really distinct choices and um and really just yeah it the whole shoot flowed so smoothly um we had a lot to shoot in those three days Um, but, you know, with a great, uh, AD, the assistant director, Nayara, um, who's actually Spanish as well. She's from, I think, Basque country. Um, she kept everything really tightly reined in and kept everything on schedule. Um, and yeah, cracked it out. It worked. Yeah. I think it worked really well. Um, yeah, my guy was this, uh, was this guy who'd, you know, been in and out of the army, fought in wars and had a kind of, you know, checkered history and was now with his kind of dopey partner in crime trying to rob this bar. Um, And yet, lo and behold, the bar is uh, kind of a mob bar. And we have a bit of an encounter with the mob boss um, and a few other kind of crazy characters. And it doesn't work out too well, actually, for anyone um so uh so yeah bit bit of a thriller um but some some great you know humorous moments in there as well um so kind of an ideal ideal piece
0: yeah and the, the you know the texture of the film was more like uh you know like an old gangsters um almost mm-hmm. it wasn't completely black and white um uh, it was an no, it's, white.
1: yeah it's it's kind of drained because he wanted to have that i guess that 1940s 1930s black and white feel yeah. Um. But also enhance it with you know flashes of, you know, kind of warm candlelight or you know certainly blood. You know the blood when it splatters yeah. is, is bright red. Um. So yeah. No. It's it's the whole kind of aesthetic of it is really. It's that you know I think he's gone for that film noir type of thing. Yeah. Um. Which is full of mystery, full of darkness. You know shadows and darkness and shade. Um. You know, but also quite bright white, You know. Um type of thing as well so yeah it's all it's i think it's really inspired by some of those film noir 1940s some of that raymond chandler type vibe um and yeah it's set in uh yeah in kind of you know just after after the second world war um you know yeah it's a powerful piece really strong beautiful
0: yeah what's really impressive impressive and why you know i i i mention him uh a lot of times you know when i'm doing workshops and things like that as well is because a lot of people think they have to have schooling, you know, before mm, mm-hmm. they launch into filmmaking mm. um, as a director or anything. But, you know, he, he proves that you can have a dream. Um, you know, he grew up watching films and wanting to mm-hmm. be a director. He he never had any formal schooling, mm. you know, education, I should say. Yeah. And so for him, it was like, you know, if you're, if, and, and a lot of people... Uh, now, he grew up, you know, in Spain. He's in Zaragoza. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he had that dream. And for a lot of people in, in other countries, their connection uh, to America is through films and movies. Absolutely. So for him, that impression of, oh, my God, it's, an, you know, I'm going to watch this movie and that movie and things like that. And I want to be a director. I mean, there there weren't, you know film schools in every corner uh you know here you know you're in new york i'm in san diego but uh we're very close to la in california right so film Mm. schools are more popular in these places you know
1: very much so no i mean i think what conrad brings is he's just got a vision and a story and he's just got obviously such a great imagination um and i think that's what at least that's what I look for as an actor: is um, is really just that is the story um, is just someone with something to say um, about the world in which he or she lives. Yeah. Um, and I think the nature of uh, mobile filmmaking is that it's just so much more accessible. Um, everyone, pretty much everyone, has a smartphone nowadays that they can, with a, probably an amazing camera um, and maybe even some editing software on the iPhone. Yeah. At least on my iPhone, you know they've got iMovie as well, so you can shoot something, edit it, um, and then upload it um, all on one single thing, which is, I mean, revolutionary. Um, so but you don't have. It can also be to,
0: distracting yeah. because it can it can distract people. People tend to forget about the story because of all this. Mm.
1: You know, oh I mean, yeah. And
0: you just said, and plus then then you start talking about gimbals and things like that, and it's like well. It's a whole world full of toys between that and the apps and everything. And you forget, Mm. you know, it's like, oh, I have a camera, I can shoot anything. And then you start making a movie, but you have to – a movie without a story, right? You're Mm. not going to attract actors like you.
1: Yeah, I mean, also, or just, you know, number one, you're just not going to keep the audience engaged. Um, You know, if it's not really – that clear what the movie is about or who these characters are or why they're in this place interacting with each other. Um, the audience is going to lose interest and um, even if those things are in place, if there's not something keeping the audience watching, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? That guy just said that thing to that woman. What's she going to do now? Um, then, then yeah, it's just not going to be as intriguing as, um, as a movie that does have those qualities. Um, and these things don't have to be groundbreaking the original um you know they don't have to be something that no one's ever said in the past it can be a little twist on you know your favorite filmmaker or something your favorite film um, deals with a scene from that um but just kind of you know updated to a different scenario or a different kind of group of characters um but as long as that as long as that thread of um why does this matter like why do i the audience care why should i care about what's happening here um you know, as long as as long as that's there, then the movie will be great. The, you know, the other stuff can really help. You know, the special effects and um, you know the really cool music score and the you know the slow motion you know dropping of a glass. Yeah. Um, that stuff can be really cool, but it's um, you know it's on top of everything. Um, you know, it, that stuff alone isn't going to make it a yeah, movie Yeah, you cool. have
0: to have a reason. You know, actually you just brought that up, but there are things like that in the story in time to pay off debts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: they are very important and they're, they're very much connected to the story. There's a reason for them. Uh, you know, explain one of them at least.
1: Absolutely. Like favorite um, one. You, know, <laughs> you know, I think when um, my kind of bungling, you know, hopeless partner, when he, uh, I mean, I don't want to give a spoiler, but he, you know, it doesn't end up well for any of us. And so when he gets shot and there's this incredible, you know, splatter of blood and, you know, kind of smoke coming from the gunshot, obviously none of that happens. Um, you know, cause we're not going to have live firearms on set and definitely no, <laughs> you're not killing real blood. Or
0: something.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Fortunately not. Um, and, uh, Um, So there's that, you know, and then, you know, when the film's finally done, you're blown away um, by how real it looks. And, uh, you know, you can even smell the gunpowder almost because it's Mm. that real. Um, But it's, but the thing is, what's so important is that that moment, all those special effects, all that kind of grittiness, all that spectacle is in service of something bigger, which is the story. Um, Whereas I think some films that I've seen that don't work quite as well, have story as a kind of excuse to kind of make a really cool shot. Um, you know, to have something look really like the, the spectacle, the prettiness, the kind of, wow, doesn't that look really cool? I mean, that's, that's a bit shallow. Do you know what I mean? That should be in service of something bigger than itself. Um, rather than have a story designed to, you know, um, you know, show off, you know, some slow motion action sequence. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's about a balance. Um, but yeah I mean look certainly as an actor that's what I look for most of all is just that really cool story you know what's gonna ke- what's gonna keep the audience really gripped and and you know there's so much content out there nowadays you know people can watch um i I myself watch YouTube um you know almost as much as I watch TV just because there's some extraordinary content out there um you know that, that that people are making without formal film school training um because they've happened to found you know they've they've just happened to got something really cool a great idea that they then go and shoot um but because there's so much content out there there's so much more competition to keep audiences watching um especially when it's something like youtube when it's just like all right now i'm done after 30 seconds what's next um, it, it gets, so, a lot of
0: things yeah. tend to get diluted there
1: interesting um, yeah diluted yeah. in terms of in terms um,
0: of the size of the world well, like they say you can be a fish in a pond or a fish in the ocean right
1: mm, mm. and
0: i would say that youtube is more like that fish in the ocean right sure, yeah. because if you're a filmmaker and you're putting a film there now there it goes along with a billion films <laughs> i'm exaggerating Absolutely. a little but if you go somewhere else like let's say you know uh well i mean let's, let's just it, be honest if you go to a smaller website which is centered on a particular genre say of films mm-hmm. and then you go mm-hmm. there looking for something you're not you're not having to squirm you know swim through all these other fish to get to the one that you like and watch exactly. 30 seconds here and 30 seconds there and 30 seconds there and then it adds up and before you well, know it, you're like i gotta go
1: <laughs> i know wow well, now i've actually got to go to work or go to right? school no i think i think you're right if it's just one huge kind of ocean of content you know you've got sci-fi Thrown in there with um, you know romance, thrown in there with animation, thrown in there with you know Lord mm-hmm. knows what. Then you know it's it's all a bit of a bit of a hodgepodge, and it's just too much. Yeah. Um, it's like when you know you put a dog in a uh, you know in a room full of balls. He's like, well, I don't know which one <laughs> to play with. You know, um, there are just too many. Um, you know. So whereas if it's a little bit more spe- uh, specific and kind of focused, so it's just um you know a sci-fi movie among other sci-fi movies um first of all you're going to have you know an audience there who is probably more likely to like your work because they're predisposed to like sci-fi um and yeah there's just a much better chance of your movie a getting seen and then watched to its completion if it's good um yeah i mean actually i think some of the best films that i've seen have uh well, so I work with, I, I'm a member of BAFTA, which is the British Academy of Film and Television. Oh. Um, it's the British equivalent of, uh, you know, the Academy, you know, yeah. the, the, the American organization that does the Oscars. You know, we've got BAFTA in the UK. Um, and I was a judge for their student films a year or so ago. Um, and, and so they're all short films. They're all 20 minutes or less, usually around 10 minutes. And... And many of them are shot on iPhones um, because, you know, unless someone goes to NYU or some big, um, you know, expensive, you know, endowed film school, um, you know, it's going to be much easier to shoot on something that you can control and you don't have to hire expensive equipment to use. Um, and some of them, you know, some of the really wonderful content was, um, was yeah, produced by, by student filmmakers on, on iPhones. Um, but they just, you know, brought a very professional approach. Um, and yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, that was an extraordinary insight to see the the amount of quality out there.
0: Yeah. There's so much more out there now. Um, and that is due to, you know, the phones are getting better, but the, Mm. the reason they're getting better is because the people making the phones and when they get to the camera parts, they're actually focusing, uh, no pun intended. Uh, Mm. they're, they're basically focusing on the lenses as well. Mm.
1: And Interesting.
0: The lenses are really the drawback to create the depth of field. Um, you know, like the iPhone X, right? For example, yeah, it's able to kind of cheat that a little better. Um, okay, and they're constantly working on the lenses. Uh, as long as they don't stop trying, the ultimately they will get there. You know? Oh my gosh! Remember absolutely. when the I mean, computer I think... chip was? as big as a car right you know mm. <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. not literally but uh and now they're so tiny you can barely see them if you drop one
1: absolutely i mean i think that's the nature of technology of the world is that you know things will evolve to that end point where it's just uh you know almost unimaginable years ago um so yeah it makes complete sense that the things i'm always wondering as well tech companies are so far ahead of the curve and they're engineers are so intelligent and um, passionate about what they do, that probably tech exists right now at Apple or Google or, um, you know, HTC that, you know, we will see in five years from now. Um, So even though it already exists, you know, the market means that it'll get released um, at a time that's, you know, where it can make the most amount of money. Um, So, you know, it's just such a a fast process and, um, you know, speed of development. Um, yeah, I mean, it's,
0: yeah, there's stuff that can't even get out, uh, into the, for a general consumer because it's so, you know, like talk about the self-driving cars, for example, Mm -hmm. they're, Mm -hmm. they're practically ready to go, but then you have to deal with, you know, the other cars on the road and traffic and the roads and the conditions and all these things are not same thing with flying cars. We could probably have flying cars already except for the sky doesn't have traffic lights and things like that and then there's a yeah. the thing about cars dropping when they crash onto the people mm. below and all sorts of things that need to be worked out. So I'm I'm you know, I bet you're right. Yeah, there's all sorts of technology out there that's way more advanced than what we actually are able to, you know, purchase now, you know, or have Yo, access yeah. to.
1: Absolutely. And it's just exciting to see what will happen six months from now or, right. you know, <laughs> 18 months from now. Um, you no, know, the exponential development is, yeah, that's one of the most exciting things about, and the way it applies to, you know, our industry, to mm-hmm. entertainment um, is, you know, is really phenomenal. Um, and yet what's so interesting is that, you know, the the the, the kind of the essential elements of, of drama, of comedy, you know, still are are unchanged for thousands of years. You know, the things that interested the greeks are the same as probably the things that interested just cavemen sitting around a cave kind of recounting um you know that day's hunt um you know and those are the same things that really kind of interest us watching uh you know hulu or netflix or whatever um you know so those it's that it's that thing that's so interesting about art in general which is that synthesis of you know, the eternal things that just will always be interesting and important and, uh, you know, just engaging um, with an, with new forms, um, with new methods of storytelling, um, new forms of narrative. Um, and I think that's that's you know, that's one of the great things about the entertainment business, about film and TV, is that those forms are constantly constantly evolving. And so allow storytellers to tell those age old stories um, in just such shockingly brand new ways. Um, that's what's, that's, what's really cool.
0: Yeah. You were mentioning something earlier about, um, keeping someone engaged, uh, Mm. by, you know, holding their attention. And Mm. I think that's the whole thing. See, in, in my own personal philosophy, stories are everything as far as humankind Mm. is concerned. Mm. uh that's what connects us and i believe a long long time ago in the caveman days the, mm. we didn't have language right the mm. reason behind language was because we had we needed to express the hunt of the day right yeah sure and so we were drawing pictures on cave walls you know to explain something but that wasn't enough mm. right that didn't quite tell the whole story no. So we evolved from that to sign language, right? Mm, mm And then from sign language we started putting some sounds to that, you know. Mm. And then I fell, ooh, ooh, I made mm-hmm. that sound, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And then from one thing to another, it, it evolved into our language. Yeah. And it was always and that's what I think filmmakers, you know, with all these tools tend to forget, the whole heart of everything that connects one person to another and then you bring together the internet, right, which is the key Mm -hmm. to it all too, um, is the story. So you have a connection to people, you know, we were talking about engaging with people in coffee shops, you know, Mm. know, and things like that. And it's through storytelling. Um, Oh, I'm with you.
1: I mean, I think that's one of the things that most moves me and drives me as an actor is the fact that, Things like that really reveal the connections that human beings have um, with each other. You know, regardless of their own language, regardless, you know, regardless of their own kind of national origin or cultural origin. This, I, I mean, I really do believe there's so much more that unites us as, as just as human beings than divides us. Yeah. Um, and and just a desire to watch other human beings live out their lives on camera or on stage or tell us about our own lives on camera or on stages. I mean, that's just a kind of instinctive draw that we have, that everyone has. I don't know anyone who doesn't enjoy um, a story, whether it's playing a story on a video game, whether it's reading a story in a book, you know, watching it in the theatre, watching it on TV. Um, There's some kind of primal draw that we have to that, um, that everyone has to that. And uh, everyone that's one wants that's,
0: to have yeah. this, um, sorry to cut you off. You were talking about video games and things. And that's mm. the other part where some people tend to say, oh, just read a book and forget about all these phones and technology. And I'm, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Mm. We, are dr- we are drawn to the expansion and the evolution of storytelling because we yeah. want to be a part. We've always wanted to be a part of somebody else's story we want mm-hmm. to feel what they're feeling with somebody else's we it's not that we don't want to be ourselves it's like that how that's more how we connect to our inner self is through other people's stories i know yeah that may sound weird but that's the whole reason no, why true. we're evolving with technology into you know we've gone from 3D to 360 vr mm-hmm. ar and uh you know the star trek hologram right you know i mean we want to get there and the whole thing is we want to feel the story by being a part of it which is why theaters are so cool too because you know all the lights are off the sound is up the effects are up you know you forget you're sitting there for three hours
1: (laughs) you know i got together with a friend and i co-produced and performed in this uh vr version of a scene from Macbeth, from Shakespeare's Macbeth. Um, And, you know, number one, the story is probably my favorite story um, of all time, just the story of Macbeth. Um, But the way, the opportunities, that VR, it's not like legit VR, it's actually just like 360 video. um, So there wasn't any kind of actual direct interaction um, from the viewer with the scene you know you couldn't move around the room you couldn't pick up books or you couldn't you know directly speak to the actors you know you were passively there but you could look all all the way around the room Um, and also we had a few different things that um, split the sphere so it would be simultaneously the you know the external of Muno you know, Macbeth talking to other characters um with what's going on in his imagination in the other kind of one hundred and eighty degrees of the sphere, so if you looked behind you, you'd get a sense of his memory of his fantasy of his imagination whatever hey, that um, cool. it was really, really cool. it was a really wonderful um experience and um and I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know these new forms of technology really um you know, just allow for new ways of um, of exploring and uh, and and telling these stories. But the story itself doesn't really change. You know, it's still you know it's this story that we were telling five hundred years ago, four hundred years ago. Um, and you know, it's that's the thing that really matters—not how it's told, but what's being told. Um, it's just that these new technologies allow you know additional layers of um, of audience involvement and interaction. And I'm sure at some point down the road. Um, you know audience members will be able to tell their own stories, so you know there might be at some point kind of option a, B, and C um, and they 'll all have been filmed maybe by uh, by a filmmaker, but you know as the audience with a headset on or whatever you choose to walk through the door rather than climb out the window now you 're onto a new different story, and you know because you 're actually in the scene yourself, you 're kind of an actor um um, so you're kind of you know you're really the audience member will be in control of the of the of the film slash video game slash you know theater piece um, him or herself and that's crazy exciting that's that's what's really really
0: it's cool. like the alternate ending in DVDs remember where you would say you want to have this ending or that mm. ending or that mm-hmm. ending you know yeah <laughs> and uh, you would pick which one you wanted to go through you know with the remote yeah. Um that's very interesting. And also the other thing about stories is it's a wonderful vehicle to drive a message.
1: For sure. For sure. But I don't know. I mean, there's different views on this, right? Because I don't know if the filmmaker's message is, is the one that's most important. I think the audience's interpretation of the film, oh, yeah. the, the message that the audience creates, um, you know, is the one that really matters. And in fact, the, really the kind of only one that exists because if you've got ten people watching a movie, they're all probably going to have a different view on the movie. That, that movie is going to mean ten different things to those ten different people. Maybe just subtly so. Maybe broadly they're very similar, but there will be slight differences, and maybe there'll be huge differences. You know, someone might say, "Well, no, this is a story about um, you know how you always have to live by the law and you know do right." And then someone else might say, "No, actually, this story is about um, you know sometimes." The thing you have to do is uh, is cut corners because you have um, you know the cards stacked against you. Um, so there might be two very different interpretations of the movie, and they're both true. They're both they're both well, correct.
0: They're, yeah, but their perception. Um, if you have a story told in a, in a really if, if it's done very well by the director, mm. Um, mm. then the the viewer is going to perceive it just as the director expects i mean has built it to to do like almost like in a car right the the mm-hmm. the, the person the guy that made the car or the girl whatever you know the company mm-hmm. that makes the car uh, they design it around that driver and the mm-hmm. passenger so that when they get in the car they feel oh this is a really smooth ride and then they mm-hmm. go well yeah we built it like that for you to feel that
1: i think that's true let me offer a different perspective though because i reckon especially now more than ever um you know people are able to kind of you know use like this is the nature of hacking right i don't know the first thing about hacking or computer coding (laughs) i don't know anything about it but it's so fascinating to me because what it does is it it's it's individuals taking something that someone's created for purpose a and modifying it or um kind of adapting it for their own kind of purposes. And, you know, those can be nefarious, you know, it could be stealing money, or it could be positive. It's using it now for this other thing that the creator didn't originally intend it to be used for, but is still a really effective use of of this object. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, applying that to art, I think that, you know, a filmmaker set might set out with a certain story. But I really, really, really do believe, and I, from my perspective as an actor, that when I perform on stage the story isn't mine. The story is the audience's. Um, you know, it's, the, it's it's up to the audience to take away message. So when, um, you know, at a and a say after a, a performance, um, you know, the audience say, so what was your message? What were you trying to say? In my answer, and and I really truly believe this, is that is so irrelevant. It matters to me, you know, because I've got to have a kind of story and I've got to have an objective and I've got to, you know, really want to be saying something. So it matters to me in my process but once i've done my work like that doesn't matter to you mr audience member what matters the only thing that matters now is what you saw yeah. is the story you, you 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 created for yourself based on your own personal history and your own kind of experience and um and what you came to to see so so i think that's i think it's really um it's really the audience it's the kind of you know that the user um, is the person who you know is the kind of end creator if that makes sense
0: yeah, I think, actually, I think that the line between those two perspectives is is not cut and dry.
1: You yeah, know, uh, I think it
0: depends on the first the audience member. I mean, also, you know, if you want to go there, I mean, the audience, uh, sometimes maybe they weren't paying attention uh, mm, through sure. the movie. So they're wondering, but well, what was the message? You know, like when I'm looking at the films for the I just went through this. Um, mm-hmm. I I watched them all, you know, especially ones that I'm going, huh? What was that about? You know? (laughs) And I'm going, you know what? Let me, let me, let me watch that again. You know? Sure. And and then if I still am kind of a little, I'm not sure, you know, what I'm supposed to get with this, I'll give it another day or something and then I'll go back to it because sometimes our own, you know, you could be, you could not be feeling something when you know this. You know, as an actor. Oh my gosh! Why absolutely. You have to, it's so important that you get into the zone, right? Yeah. Uh, and you have that time before your scene uh, and things like that for that purpose and for that reason because you're not able to, 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 it just it helps a lot. So I'll wait a day or two and then I'll go back and I'll see it. I won't see it more than three times if I have to watch mm-hmm. a film more than three times, and, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not getting it. I doubt anyone in the audience is going to get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, you're incredibly patient. I mean, giving it, you know, three watches, you know, the, yeah. alone, that's, that's amazing. No, I think from an acting perspective, you know, I think you really see this. I've, I know this for myself as an actor, um, and I see it in other actors. Um, you know, the difference between, I think, a good performance and a bad performance is, is whether the actor knows what he or she wants to do from moment to moment. Um, it's And that's similar to filmmaking. It, if an, if the filmmaker knows what he or she wants to say moment to moment, um, then there's a momentum to it, and then there's got some meaning to it. Now, that, that director's meaning might not be the one that the audience walks away with, um, but there'll still be some kind of energy there. There'll still be a kind of cohesion there that the audience will pick up on. And then we'll keep them, keep them watching. And there'll be, some, there'll be some meaning there. There'll be some, um, some central kind of spine to, to keep everyone moving forward. Um, so, yeah, as an actor, you know, when, when people haven't really fully done their homework and they don't really, when they say a line, they don't really know what that line means. Or at least they haven't created for themselves, um, you know, a meaning for that line. And it's just this kind of vague, well, yeah, I don't really know what you're saying here. Um, that's that's when it's not so great. Whereas um, as long as there's some kind of, you know, what we call like an objective, some kind of purpose behind every line, um, you know, the audience member might read it in a different way, but they'll still read something that's active um, and something that, you know, that is driven to, to accomplish something.
0: And, and that goes to the director as well, because if he has a really good vision uh, and and the story, and that's mm. important to the director... When mm-hmm. he's directing the the actors, he's going to go to you and he's going to say, look, this is my intention with this scene. And this is what you're feeling. And But also connecting it to the whole theme of, of the film. But in this mm. one moment, this is what you're feeling uh, and why. And he's trying to or she is trying to get that from you, mm. you know, for, absolutely,
1: for absolutely. The I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing because one without question, you know, the director's um, desire, the director's wish is is first and foremost. Right. So mm-hmm. I might think that the scene is about a and, you know, when the director says, no, 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 it's not at all about that. It's about B. Um, then that's that is what the story is about. And, you know, I change every change my work to, to match that. Um but I think, you know, in my experience as an actor, I think what directors like is just actors bringing something, even if it's oh, yeah. a choice that isn't 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 right, quote-unquote right, even if it's kind of completely off base. Um, you know, that the director is horrified by and says, no, 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 that's completely wrong. Um, you know, some actors, and I've been there myself, or sometimes say, oh, my God, I'm terrible. I, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's just I messed that up completely. It's not. Um, the director you know, actually thinks, wow, okay, no, it's not that. It's actually this. Um, but because you've made a strong choice and because you've um, kind of been bold and, uh, you know, risked, um, you know, getting it wrong, um, it actually, the director can say, no, it's not that, but do it this way. Um, and then, you know, then it's much easier that way. I think the, the trouble um, is when actors kind of fall into this kind of beige, well, I mean, it's not wrong what you're doing. Um, you know, it's fine um but it 's but it 's not strong you know it 's not kind of this it 's not an active choice it 's um it 's just kind of all right yeah um that 's fine i don 't really have much to say about that, but uh yeah, you know that 's kind of what you don 't want to have you want to have someone either say yes, 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 you nailed it, and that 's kind of the best thing um but also if somebody says no, 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 not that, this um as long as someone reacts strongly to what you 're doing, you can see what you 're doing um that's. I think that that. I think that's the goal.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a communication too, because sometimes, I mean, we're talking about humans, and mm, sometimes mm. you know, uh, people connect differently with other people, and sometimes you can see that you can. I, I've been on sets where the director is not really connecting with an actor, and it makes mm. it horrible for that actor because they kind of feel like an outcast. <laughs> uh, because they're they're you know they're connecting with the with one actor but not with a, this other one, and mm-hmm. you have to as a director um, and whether you're a mobile filmmaker or whatever the story is important but you also have mm-hmm. to learn and to take care into how you address and how you communicate with your cast and um, and let the ad communicate that with uh, communicate with the crew, but your your main focus is your cast
1: you know I just I think that's really interesting I mean I can only really come at this from the perspective of an actor yeah um, and I've definitely encountered some directors you know there is there's just such a split between directors who like working with actors and then other directors who just are kind of you know reluctant to work with actors or don't really enjoy it or maybe think actors are kind of weird or you know mm-hmm. um you know a bit of an encumbrance um you know and there's you know as an actor it's obviously much nicer to work with a director who, who, you know, maybe has a bit of acting experience themselves, you know, has taken acting class or, uh, you know, understands that, you know, actors are kind of vulnerable, do you know what I mean? And often insecure um, because what they're doing is something that they're really passionate about and they care a huge amount about. Um, But, you know, it's obviously, you know, there's a huge amount of potential for failure there. Um, So when some directors, I think, can get bound up a little bit too much with um, the specific shot, the way a shot looks, Um, you know, whether it's the kind of, you know, technology that needs to be involved, whether it's, um, you know, the technical aspects of racking focus or, you know, all the stuff that's really important, but I don't think should be at the expense of, um, you know, individuals talking to each other. Um, You know, those are the, those are the directors who really stand out are the ones who, um, you know, are able to, to kind of speak an actor's language, that really, really just helps everyone. Um, you know, not kind of pander to actors, not just kind of you know try and make them feel good about themselves, um, but just communicate. Well, no, everybody's openly. there for a
0: purpose and has the same goal. You know, yeah. in the end, I actually, I, I, as a favor to uh, someone, I, I played a small role in a in a small film. It was a student film. Oh, thank very God, nice. amazing. <laughs> uh, because uh, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I did enjoy acting when I was younger on stage, mm. but in front of the camera is just a whole, it's it's completely, and you know, you you come from theater as well. Sure, so sure. So, you know, there's a difference. You know, you have to shift your, you know, you have to get used to that. And, Absolutely. And the thing is that I think, I mean, when I left that, part, right? And I and it mm. was done, I really reflected on it and I thought and even during it, uh, because you know, you're pausing while people are setting up things and changing the, mm-hmm. the scene and the angle, the camera and all this stuff, and I was thinking, I don't have a part there on that side like I'm used to. Mm. My part is over here on this side, which I've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really gave me a different perspective that, you know, I remember, see, I was a script supervisor, right?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I know the directors at USC, cause there was a bit of interaction. I was in the school of theater at USC. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously their film school is one of the biggest. And so they would put the school of theater actors, um, in collaboration with the school of cinematic art directors. um, and, you know, I think one of the things that they made the directors do was take an acting class um, just to get a sense of of the approach that actors bring to um, to the project. Hmm. Um, and I think maybe also to, um, you know, I think maybe they want to kind of loosen the directors up a little bit, but also just kind of make them think, make, allow them to realize that, well, wow, actually kind of acting is, you know, it's, you know, in that moment when they say action, it's like uh, it can be quite a lot of pressure um so to kind of you know make sure actors are are ready for to just bring their work um yeah i think it's a valuable thing for for a direct. i think probably for anyone though um to take acting classes you know for like lawyers or business people um you know i know in new york the big thing is taking improv classes um so you'll get lawyers and you know business people and um uh, you know politicians maybe even taking improv classes because um you but know, just helps with, on your feet absolutely, you know builds confidence um
0: yeah. I wanted to ask you, there was a part in this film, uh time mm. to Pay off debts, and uh Conrad Messi, you were talking about the uh the three days shooting in New York, yes. and there was one scene that was last in the in in the production, and um he had to leave before you could film that so that's
1: right yes 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 because we were we were pushed for time um you know as i said it was a lot to crack out in three days and um you know rather than rush through everything and it all be a little bit subpar um he made the wise decision of just making you know letting one scene go or postponing one scene but making sure everything else we did was you know was exactly how he wanted it um And so he, I think we had like another scene or two to shoot. Um, And so what he did was he just hired the venue again, got the same actors, the crew, et cetera, um, all back in one place, except he couldn't make it. Um, So Conrad was there on set, but through Skype. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I don't understand the all the technicalities of how he got a feed of um, what was being shot. Um, But he, and it was a bit of a, it was, it was a pretty quiet line so and i think he was speaking in spanish as well through our ad through nayara um, who i think she had a bit of a bit of a bit of a day that day you know just kind of translating from spanish into english
0: oh, while yeah. kind
1: of making sure everything was getting um, you know sent to and from the set to conrad um, but but the thing is from our perspective well at least from my perspective as an actor like it was it was pretty straightforward um, it was really no different from my experience. It was no different than if it'd been there in person. Um, you know, it's just that he would say one thing in Spanish and Nayara would just repeat it in English, then we'd just do what he wanted. Um so it worked incredibly well. It it didn't feel at all like any kind of hindrance or, you know, um at least from an actor's perspective. I think it was a bit of a bit of a tough one for Nayara, the A D. Um, who coped incredibly well. Um, but no, from an actor's perspective it was it was amazing. It was really efficient. Um you but know. Yeah, they so. had
0: to they had to actually somehow uh I mean, it wasn't about you guys seeing him, which that you know, sometimes when you, you're directing you're doing an eye to eye with the actor. But sure. this was more like he was looking at you, he was watching you. And yes. you were getting the cues from him. So they're they're obviously was the lack of that the eye to eye with a director Mm. uh but he and this is back this is in late 2014 Mm -hmm. at some point right or was it late in 2014 i think it was but maybe i think that's when it
1: came out yeah it was uh i think that's exactly right
0: yeah because um i know the film festival was in april of 15 Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: he had just finished the
1: film Literally. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember just thinking on the day, could this be more 21st century than what we're doing right now, which is shooting on an iPhone, um, you know, using um, Skype for the director. Right. Who's, not, who's not there in person, but is still working amazingly well. Um, and then soon it's going to be uploaded and broadcast on the Internet. Yeah. Um, I mean, none of those things, <laughs> not one of those things existed. Um, at least in a commercial sense, you know, twenty five, right. thirty years ago. Um, so, I mean, what what a what an incredible um, what an incredible thing to be able to be part of. Yeah, really amazing. That
0: again is driven by the passion to achieve that goal. That's why I love this industry and and the film mm. industry because people will knock each other out to make it happen. You know, the magic. Yeah. And then everyone, all anyone sees is, oh, what a wonderful film.
1: <laughs> I know. My gosh, yeah. Wow, it looked so easy. <laughs> right. But I think that's the goal is, you know, when it looks easy, um, you've done, done your right. job. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. It looks as though it's kind of effortless. You know, it's like when you see figure skaters at the Olympics ah. and they're, you know, spinning around in the air four times and then doing another spin and it just looks so fluid as though you know it's just um second nature to them i'm sure it is second nature to them because of all the hours they've spent just you know falling and tumbling but um eventually becomes part of who they are um and it's just incredible to watch
0: what would you what would you tell filmmakers um when it comes to getting i mean obviously you have to have a good story but mm. would you do you have any advice that you would be able to give them to to achieve something that something notable that you saw about you know even working with Conrad Mass on? Have you worked on a lot of um, since then? Even was this your first iPhone film or mobile film? That
1: was it was it's my first, still my only iPhone film. Oh. Um, so yeah, no, really, an amazing thing to be to be part of. I mean, I've since um, been working on. So I shot uh, kind of more. You know traditional film it was like a world war two thriller um uh earlier in t- like kind of mid two thousand seventeen mid last year yeah. um that it had like interesting. it was great it was really really wonderful film it uh do you know carrie l was he was in the princess Bride and uh Jason oh. Patrick and Judd Hirsch and um you know a bunch of you know John really well known actors club? um exactly yeah <laughs> um yeah so really uh you know, really top, um, top, uh, top actors. Um, so yeah, so they, they were all, you know, so yes, we were thinking that was kind of more traditional, you know, it was, I can't remember exactly what it was shot on. I think maybe a red or something. Um, but still, uh, you know, kind of more of a traditional, um, kind of format, but, um, but still the kind of, you know, the, the technology with which it's shot, I don't think matters as much as the, the approach of the filmmakers, um, you know, cause anyone can bring a kind of professional attitude, just making sure everyone's disciplined, prepared on time. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's shot on an iPhone or, you know, 35 millimeter. Um, you know, it's this, the approach is still going to be the same. Um, I think in terms of, I don't know, maybe this is kind of going, I don't know if this is answering your question, but I think. A lot of actors, a lot sorry, a lot of directors have to be their own writers. Do you know what I mean? In order to get their first chance to shoot something, it'll probably have to be something that they've written themselves. Um, and I think uh, you know the way most actors approach a text is to look at what their character wants from moment to moment. Um, and so, to write a scene, you know, whether it's like a five-minute scene, um, you know, short film um, that you're going to then shoot on your iPhone. To make sure that you know those two characters what they want from moment to moment and is reflected in their in their speech in their interactions. So even if it's you know boyfriend and girlfriend you know trying to decide what movie to go and see, um, you know each one is probably going to want something from the other. There's going to be that conflict of interest. I mean that's what drama is is conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it does, conflict doesn't have to be people murdering each other. <laughs> conflict can just be um, you know. Uh, mother wanting her daughter to do uh, to wear like this pair of shoes and the daughter wanting to wear the other pair of shoes now you know, that's not going to change the world it's not going to you know cause you know an apocalypse right. but there's conflict of interest um and that's uh um there's competing interests there um so that's that conflict is what's really interesting so just making sure that is present um i just, i don't know i think it's just as people as humans we're just like super nosy actors more nosy than anyone, you know, so curious just to know who people are, what's going on with them. Um, and so to watch, I think that's why we love watching, you know, film, TV, um, you know, theater is because we get to see a little glimpse into other people's lives, you know, kind of fictional people, but there's still other human beings that we're watching. Yeah. Um, and why, why, how are they going to go about achieving what they want? You know, when that person's standing in their way, um, So making sure that kind of conflict is there. Um, But, yeah, but, I mean, in terms of just running a set, I think um, just making sure everyone... It's just the simple stuff that's often the hardest to accomplish, which is just making sure that, you know, everything runs on time and, you know, people show up on time and, um, you know, all the actors are prepared, you know, because, I mean, that stuff's not a guarantee. um, And it just sets everything back if if people aren't ready.
0: I learned that if you're not there at least five minutes early from the, mm. the the first time that they give you mm-hmm. um preferably you're there 15 minutes early mm-hmm, yeah you know and otherwise you're already late so 100 percent. i it's mean it's something for, to
1: yeah. get used to i 100 percent agree i mean i don't know if it's because it's like some anglo-saxon thing in me that i loathe being late Um, you know, I just can't, you know, I didn't, it's like growing up in England where people get really sniffy about that kind of thing. Um, you know, so, um, but it's just helps, you know, especially as an actor, because you can't, it's, it's really hard just to turn up and then just do it. Um, you know, it's, it's like you mentioned earlier on about being in the zone. You just got to give yourself time and space to kind of get settled and think, all right, this is what I want to do now. This is where I am. Um, you know, so you're not rushed, um, going from everyday life of feeding the dog and taking the kids to school or, you know, whatever the demands of life are to then going to work, you know, that you can't, it's really tricky to switch abruptly from one to the next. So just by getting there, you know, 10, 15 minutes early, you can sit, you can have a coffee, you can just get, allow yourself to get in that headspace for, all right, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah, Um, and from
0: the other perspective of the crew, time is everything.
1: Time is everything. You're
0: running by seconds when it comes to setting up the set, and everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and if and then you have to, you know, even the backup plan can go wrong, so you have to have a backup to the backup of of the backup. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, it's very important, it's more important to be there, you know, and people will will be alright, well, the filmmaker, the the actor is late, you know, and (sighs) they'll be more patient with that, but when it comes to the crew, uh, and there's never an excuse, I mean, people think, oh, well, I'm gonna be the director, so I can do whatever I want. It's oh like God, the CEO, no. the the good CEO of the company. He's there or she is there early.
1: Yes. You know? Oh my gosh, but I mean that's that's such a key to success in any industry. Yeah. Is you know is that you know the thing. This is what's so funny to me is that it's so easy to be early. Like, you know, right? if you have to leave half an hour, you're, if you have to get up half an hour early or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, there's nothing really... I mean, I know people have, you know, everyone's got complex lives. You know, if you've got family and kids and stuff, it's even more complicated. Um, but, you know, I guess the goal is just to control as much as you can. Um. Because, as you said, there's so much else that can go wrong. There are so many moving parts. Um. You know, it's tough to keep everything in check. Um. There's so much that's out of one's control that the elements that you can control, just do. Um, you know, so if you can, whatever you have to do to make sure that you've got one less thing to worry about, um, which is being late, um, you know, then I think do whatever you can to, to take care of that. Yeah, it's and I think thing, especially thing.
0: Yeah. Even if you try sometimes, like in my case, I've, not that I've tried to get there late, but there are times when I'm going, oh my God, I'm running late because I'm usually mm. running early. So there are times oh, it's like, oh, my God, I'm running late. Oh, my God, I'm running late. And then I get there yeah. and I'm like, wow, I'm still early.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And it just makes such a difference because then when it is time to actually work, um, you know, there's no stress. There's no um, or at least no additional stress yeah. um, of, you know, turning up kind of sweaty and out of breath and, you know, aware that everyone's kind of, you know, hmm, wow, looking out of the corner of their eye at that person. Right. Um yeah.
0: <laughs> and then there's the mistakes that happen when you're stressed and when you're nervous because you were there late and things like that. They can happen and in the film industry you can't do that. That can cost a lot. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like time is almost literally money. Yeah. Um, you know, so every literally every second counts.
0: And and you know filmmaking with a with a phone. I mean, it is one way to get your foot in the door to dive into the filmmaking mm. industry. It's not something you should take lightly. That's you know my advice for for filmmakers and even the actors is mm. to treat it. Yes, you're you're gonna this film is gonna be made on a phone, uh, but it's not something nonchalant. You know you, you know you should yeah. really take the make the effort and especially you're working with other people mm. you know and y- you start to to learn this game when it comes to respecting other people and to respecting time and the effort that is involved and everybody you know that's on set has a a part to play from the characters yeah. to the to the PA to you know the grip and you know everybody And, um, it's just, there's no excuse for it. Um, I have a question for you. I'm with you. I
1: mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead, please.
0: Um, I, no, go ahead and say what you wanted to say, because this is going to be the last.
1: Yeah. I got you. Yeah. It's just interesting to me because I think there's, you know, for like kids, whatever, who just want to get together and, you know, make a fun film. Um, you know, that's one thing that's different, you know, and I think that's beautiful if I, they can now, have pretty much professional quality um, technology to create something cool, you know, then that's, that's really, that's really awesome. But as soon as you're doing something, you know, now in a professional standpoint, um, or you want it to be professional quality, then that's absolutely when all that, um, all that discipline has to come in. Like I was um, growing up a a chorister, like a choir boy. Um, I was in uh, the Queens choir, like they call it the chapel Royal. Um, And so we'd travel around with her and, You know, I joined when I was eight and left when I was 13 or 14. And so from the age of eight, um, you know, it was professional performance because you're getting paid. They didn't pay us directly. They paid our school fees. Um, But still, you're getting paid to do a job. Um, And so there's no room for kind of, um, you know, well, I don't really feel like doing it today or, you know, I kind of feel a little bit sick. You know, I can't go in. It's, you know, that doesn't matter. Just get up and do it um and that's such a huge lesson that i've carried with me forever um you know something that was really solidly drilled into me by my mother who herself is a professional musician um that you know you wouldn't get pavarotti or placido domingo saying "Uh, you know what i didn't sleep that well last night you know i just can't do it today um they'd do it and they would do it superbly well because they're pros um so as soon as you know you want to do something in a professional way then all of that discipline as you put it respect um has to has to properly be there um otherwise otherwise i don't really think there's any point in doing it
0: yeah and and good luck getting anybody else to work with you after
1: yeah sure 100% yeah, yeah.
0: so Okay. Well, this is. I totally forgot to mention this one little game. Do you like to play games?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Absolutely. I'm an actor. That's <laughs> what drama school is. Absolutely. It's,
0: um, it's well, wonderful. Um, I there's this game. I I call it the shout out game. Uh, okay. Actually, I call it it's shout out time, but it it's a shout right out time. game. <laughs> um, okay, I love it. It's uh it's a twenty second uh, slot, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to perform this thing. Where what I okay. wanted you to do um and I didn't even put any thought into this cuz I completely forgot. Mm-hmm. Um but different people I, I have them do shout outs of, you know, you know the like in the academy awards or the, the their favorite films, their favorite music, things like that. I got you. What I'm thinking about with you though, um if if you don't mind is uh your favorite characters
1: hmm for that i've played or that i've seen
0: that both uh i okay. mean i'm sure you played characters that you've seen as well mm.
1: mm-hmm. Uh
0: but favorite characters i think it would be better for the listeners if they you, if they could connect with these characters um you know uh so maybe we should make it the characters that you've seen
1: okay sounds good
0: okay all right so yeah. i have a timer so don't be alarmed even though it is okay. an alarm. <laughs> um,
1: no, no, that's good. I'll be. Yeah, uh, no. Keep 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 everything on track. That's exciting.
0: Cool. Okay. So ready. Yeah. Set and go.
1: All right. Macbeth, Hamlet, Han Solo, um, Tim Robbins' character from Short Tank Redemption. Uh, let's go with um, Brad Pitt in Seven. Um, uh, let's have a look at um, Aladdin. Uh, let's go. Aladdin. With, uh, that's it. <laughs> I only named five. Not very many.
0: <laughs> well, hey, that was pretty good. Wow. That was actually impressive.
1: Well, you know, I was thinking a little bit, as you as were saying.
0: dramatic actors there.
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, those are my favorite roles. I mean, yeah. movies like, yeah, like Seven, like uh, all of those, you know, kind of dark Shakespeare plays. I mean, those are the things that that really, really I enjoy.
0: That's why you uh played in this film to time to pay off debts.
1: Absolutely yeah. right, yeah. Bad yeah. guy.
0: Wow. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Well <laughs> you played fun. it you played it really good. You were a pro at oh, that. We were just talking thank about being you, a
1: pro. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's kind. Thanks.
0: No, thank you. Well, one of the things that uh, we're gonna we're gonna end this podcast. We went a little bit over an hour, which you know it, it just got it's really interesting. By. But it's it's a different perspective for mobile filmmakers because I think it does put that you know we're throwing it back to you guys. Uh, if you're thinking about making a movie, it's great that you have a phone. You can do it, but also consider what we were talking about here about being professional and the techniques. And at the same time, don't be afraid to um, get creative, uh, like Conrad Mess did, uh, and and the crew to make this happen with uh, directing through Skype. That's interesting. Oh yeah. And uh, and do do not underestimate your power. The power of your story to attract actors such as Raphael.
1: There we go. Wow, that's absolutely true. No, and Conrad did that, and it was you know great pleasure and an work welcome. It I and mean, you know incredible experience.
0: Definitely. Well, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to our friends here and um, our listeners, and then we're gonna go to uh, the bonus episode for our Patreon page, where um, uh, Raphael is gonna talk. Um, uh, what were you gonna talk about again?
1: <laughs> um we're going to talk about some definitely juicy stuff that you definitely have to listen to
0: oh i love it <laughs> okay <laughs> well uh goodbye listeners and uh, we'll see you on patreon.com uh, slash sbp podcast